Ladies and gentlemen, today we're reading a script by my favorite writer in the entire world. Me! Don't move a muscle. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unpretty Stable right here on the Popcorn Talk Network. For those of you just tuning in, this is a show where we read Hollywood's hottest unproduced pilots and features. And yes, we are reading something I wrote today. Um, For those of you who think that was kind of a shameless, whorish move, you may or may not be right. But it's important for me to note that this script was selected based on the same credentials that I select other scripts. And it was featured on the Blacklist website in January. So I'm very, very excited and very grateful to my amazing cast that they'll be reading it with me today. Thanks, guys. Um, Along those lines, I'd love for you guys to introduce yourselves and the characters you'll be playing today as 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 well as... Pardon the brief description that I've included at the top. Uh, all right, <clears throat> starting with me. Yes, please. Uh, hi, I'm Adrian Snow. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrian Snow, and I'll be reading for Charlie. She's a tomboy, scrappy, and holds her own. Everybody, I'm Andrew Guy, and I'll be reading Roger today. He's late 30s. He's a community college professor and poet. Smart, sensitive, intellectual, and has a big heart and soft disposition. Hey guys, Roxy Stryer. I will be reading from Violet, late 30s CMO for a fashion realtor, a fast-talking corporate type, whip-smart and neurotic, but has a sense of humor. Hey guys, I'm Mike Kalinowski. Today I will be reading Mason 7. He's a twin tornadoes with violent chaos incarnate. I'm also reading The Young Man and The Male Feline. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm Haley O'Connor on Twitter at Haley O'Connor. And today I am reading Winnie, nine years old, bookish, precocious, a nerd. And Roger Jr., three years old, goofy, spacey, and sweet, beat of his own drummer, and the cat, which will be obvious when she appears. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. I'm Timothy Michael. You can reach me on all social media platforms at I am Timothy Mike. And I will be playing Grayson, one of the Twin Tornadoes, and Security. Great. Well, I'm so excited to dive into the script today, guys. In case you want to find me online, I forgot to introduce myself. My name is Jeff Graham. You guys can do so on Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham. Um, as I mentioned, today we're reading a very broad kind of family-friendly network comedy called mm-hmm. We've Got Kids. Um, I think the story kind of tells itself, but basically it's about um, a loving couple with um, who's just very overburdened by the number of kids that they have. So um, I think that's enough to introduce the script. I say we just go ahead and dive right in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So guys, this is We've Got Kids. Let's do it. Act 1. Interior plane day. Sitting on the end of the middle row of a Boeing 737, Roger reads Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass. From across the aisle, a young man notices. Sorry to bother you, but are you Roger Larson? Roger looks up. Yes. I'm usually not one to do this, but <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Roger reaches across the aisle and starts aggressively shaking his hand. God bless you, sir. <laughs> Surely this happens a lot. I mean, you may be shocked to learn that professional poets aren't exactly today's Kardashians. But you've been nominated for the National Book Award. Twice. Roger beams. <laughs> I mean, I'm not one to brag, but I'm happy to let others do it for me. And I do think it's important that as artists we take ourselves seriously, you know? Suddenly, a tiny hand emerges from one side of the frame and begins smacking Roger on the shoulder. Dignity is the lifeblood of our craft. We pull back to reveal that the hand belongs to Grayson, who is aggressively punching his father's arm. Dead, 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 dead. Until we take ourselves seriously, no one will. Roger quietly turns to his son. What is it, son? Charlie says that her farts are smellier than my farts. Roger's eyes shift back to his new fan, whose interest is now waning, and back to Grayson. 
Can we uh, discuss it later, Bubsy? But I know that my farts are worse. We pull back to reveal Charlie sitting next to Grayson. Dad, Grayson's a son of a bitch. Charlie, where did you learn that? From Mommy. Now we pull back all the way to see the entire Larson clan occupying the middle row. On Violet's side, RJ sleeps soundly on Mason's shoulder, with Violet, also asleep, reclining in a cucumber facial mask. Grayson and Charlie start pulling each other's hair. Vi, I could use a little help here. She doesn't respond. Violet, tell death do us part. She pulls off her cucumbers. No dice, Chief. We made a deal today. Those two are yours. These two are mine. Winnie, reading in the middle, looks up begrudged. Have I been excommunicated? How are you doing that? Violet holds up a box of Tylenol PM. That's cheating! Besides, they can't swallow pills. They can swallow juicy juice. You roofied our kids? Newsflash, Raj. You can too. Roger looks around. Toss me the goods. Winnie tosses Roger the pills. Is that SpongeBob? Where? Where? The kids look away and Roger crumbles the pills into their soda cups. You lie, you son of a bitch. Sweetheart, just so not appropriate. Check this out, Dad. Grayson wiggles in his chair to release a swift toot. Then Charlie laughs and the other guests look around. Grayson! Always the competitor, Charlie fires off one of her own. Grayson starts laughing. (laughs) Guys, you need to stop. Right. Now. The kids are very taken aback. Daddy's usually not like this. These are bad competitive conditions, so I can't judge fairly. Okay? When we land in San Diego, we'll have a fart off. Okay. Now, let's see who can finish their drink faster. Grayson and Charlie start chugging. Roger turns to the young man, who is now wide-eyed and appalled. I'm sorry, um, <clears throat> what were we talking about? I think the last thing you said was, dignity is the lifeblood, dignity is the lifeblood of our craft. Roger sighs. End of cold open. <laughs> Act 1. Interior hotel day. Roger and Violet enter a hotel lobby. Roger enters with RJ on his back and Grayson and Mason on each leg. Violet is holding hands with Winnie and Charlie. They walk up to the concierge. Name? Uh, Roger Larson. I'm here for the conference. You people have families? Roger looks over to see two adult bunnies, furries, yes, this is a real thing, making out in the hotel lobby. What? Uh, no. Not that conference. The, um, <clears throat> the American Academy of Poets conference. I'm a keynote speaker. Roger smirks. I'm pretty well known in the world of contemporary <clears throat> metered verse, actually. Well, I'm sure the attendees are thrilled you've arrived. All 19. Interior hotel room day. The kids are running around the hotel room in chaos. Kids, whoever gets ready first wins. With what? what? Surprise? Dad, what? It's a surprise. Without thinking, they bolt. <clears throat> so, what's on the docket? Violet holds up a map of San Diego. As she describes the day's plan, she traces the journey to and from each destination. We're going to start at the Natural History Museum, head to La Jolla, head back to the Monument Stairs, go back to La Jolla, and then call it night. The trace line that Violet has drawn creates a star. Wouldn't it make more sense to go start at La Jolla and then go to the museum? Roger, and the- what is the one reason that we do anything ever in this family? Roger's at a loss. To exhaust the kids? He nods. This makes sense. We're going to end the day at Thanksgiving-themed buffet called the Turkey Tavern. Tryptophan. Smart. Then bedtime. And if God is good, they'll sleep tonight and we can do a pool day tomorrow. Roger grabs his wife's hands. You are literally my better half in every single conceivable way. And I'm earnest when I say that I've never been more turned on. Well, I'm going to need you to on active duty because I'm coming down with something. Grayson, Mason, and Charlie all rush to stand in front of Violet and Roger, pushing each other in the process. I was first. No, I was. Guys, it's a tie. What's the surprise, you son of a... The surprise is a lesson in well-intentioned parental manipulation. Oh, cool. Smooth dad. Where's RJ? RJ toddles into the room with his shirt on his legs and his head sticking out of one of the leg holes of his swim trunks. (laughs) Ready! Violet and Roger look at each other, mildly concerned. Sweetheart, are you sure you're ready? 
I forgot my snuggle. He runs into the other room and grabs a blanket. Ready! <laughs> the group follows RJ through the connecting room door. Then we circle around the room and see a time lapse of the sun rising and setting in the balcony window and stop on the door. It opens. Roger carries RJ on his back, and Winnie is piggy. And Winnie piggybacks Charlie. Mason and Grayson walk in, heads pressed against each other like zombies, and the kids head to bed. No one died. And now we sleep. Roger and Violet lay down and immediately fall asleep. Exterior hotel pool day. The next morning, the twins are wrapped around Roger in the pool while Winnie plays with RJ on the edge of the water. Charlie pops out of the water. Where's mommy? Uh, she's not feeling well. Is mommy potty training? Uh, projectile yakking in a hotel pool toilet is new for her, so arguably. Violet walks towards the group, looking a little green. <clears throat> How you feeling, champ? Remember the morning after Kappa Sig formal senior year? Both of us had too much milk and cookies. <sighs> right. Shots of milk, and oh, those were some magic cookies, weren't they? Smarter than you think, guys. I feel 20 times worse than that. Yeah. <laughs> I already finished off RJ's Pedialyte. I need a minute clinic. Where's your phone? Uh, in my briefcase. Violet looks through Roger's briefcase. It's not here. What you're lacking is a man's touch. Roger hops out of the pool and begins to survey the briefcase. I know I brought it down here. Well, we better find it, or you may find yourself lacking a woman's touch. Forever. Interior hotel room day. The room is turned upside down as Winnie, Grayson, Mason, Charlie, Violet, and Roger all search for the phone. Oh, this is bad. I can't present tonight if we don't find it. Say what now? The password to access my Perezzi is saved under my notes. Violet stares. You just spent four grand to intelligize our house. All the devices are integrated. So that you can open a can of Pinto beans by class? We'll both avoid advanced age carpal tunnel, honey. And you can't access what might be the biggest presentation you'll ever give in your life. Roger's Roger circle gestures in front of his face. You chose this. For better or worse. She pulls out a map. All right. Divide and conquer. I'll take Balboa Park and the museum, uh, and you take La Jolla and the restaurant. Kids, adventure time. The group walks out of the door. Interior hotel hallway continuous. Roger, holding Winnie's and Grayson's hand, exits left. Violet, holding Charlie's and Mason's hand, exits right. We're meeting back here at 0300 hours. Roger. (laughs) Roger points to himself. Roger. Look alive, private. (laughs) The two split. We stay on Roger and crew. Dad, where's RJ? Interior elevator simultaneous. Violet, Mason, and Charlie stand. Mom, where's RJ? Uh, he's with your mom. He's with your dad. Exterior pool simultaneous. Roger Jr. is sitting alone on a lounge chair watching Blue's Clues on his father's cell phone. End of act one. Act two. Interior museum information desk day. Violet speaks to a concierge with Mason and Charlie by her side. I was on hold for 48 minutes until I decided to just show up in person. How can I help you? Did you know that 48 minutes is enough time to prepare, pressure, cook, and serve an adult turkey? hmm How can I help you? <laughs> like, I know this is the Natural History Museum, but hieroglyphics went out of style millennia ago. Wouldn't hurt to upgrade the communications protocol around here? How can I help <laughs> you? We're looking for a cell phone. You're looking for our lost and found. Here's a map. If you make your way to the fourth floor... A security guard suddenly spots Mason and reacts. Hey, wait a minute. Can I help you? That's the little shit who rode the Velociraptor reconstruction on the third floor. Excuse me? That's him! If you're t- implying that my negligence extends that far, we're going to have a problem, sir. Oh, we already do, ma'am. Show me the footage. Security smiles. <laughs> Gladly. Mom, I don't, I don't know if we Mason, should... Mason, it's fine. Violet begins to walk, but Charlie and Mason hang back. Mason shoots Charlie a look. This could be bad. 
Interior car day. Roger and Grayson sit in the front, and Winnie sits in the back of the car reading. Dad, this car smells like asparagus pee. <laughs> Grayson, I know it's not a Porsche, but this car rents for half of what we would have paid at Enterprise. Winnie is scrolling on what appears to be an iPad Touch. Deals on Wheels has a quarter star on Yelp. I didn't even know that was possible. The car drives. It's fine. This review says, have you ever scotch-taped Cheerios and pipe cleaners to a lead block? If so, congratulations, you just designed a more reliable car than anything you'll find at Deals on Wheels. The last thing I want to hear is whining. The car is fine, Suddenly, honey. a loud explosion emanates from underneath the car. Roger cuts the steering wheel in reaction, and the kids scream like banshees. Interior Museum Security Office Day. Violet, Mason, Charlie, and security sit back at, and all face a security monitor. Violet sits back smugly, prepared to watch this footage. Enjoy the show. In grainy black and white footage, we watch what is clearly the entire Larson family walk by the raptor exhibit. Grayson takes off his shirt and begins to chase Winnie, attempting to whip her with his shirt. While this happens, Mason looks to Grayson and gives him the thumbs up. As the family chases Grayson and Charlie, Mason seizes the opportunity in front of him and begins to climb the dinosaur. That's not Mason. You're telling me another seven-person family that looks exactly like yours did this. Yep. Mason is now riding the dinosaur like it's a mechanical bull. That's not Mason. The security guard glares at Violet and slowly turns up the volume dial. I am Mason Andrew Larson! Hear me roar! <laughs> Mason Larson is a surprisingly popular name. Exterior highway shoulder day. Roger, Grayson, and Winnie stand outside the car and stare at the flat. Call AAA, Dad. Remember Memphis? I jumped that Winnebago, no problem. Only after a nearly fatal shock. Dr. O says you're now a conductor. That's nonsense. Roger throws his arms as he says this, and an intense electric bolt shoots from his hands to the car battery. Oh, cool. It's the humidity. Roger takes a jack and a spare tire out of the trunk and examines the scene of the crime. He then moves toward the tire and tries to put the jack under the car the wrong way. Winnie and Grayson look at each other, concerned. Grayson walks over to his father and gently taps him on the shoulder. Uh, um, Dad? Roger looks up impatiently. Grayson puts the jack under the car the correct way. I was just testing you. Grayson heads back towards Winnie. We're screwed. Interior security office day. The damage to the Raptors' left clavicle totals $7,000. Carol Lipinski, that's some serious dough. Violet takes a deep breath and looks around. She then starts to slowly lower her dress on the left side. <laughs> Maybe we could both just forget about this little incident. Are you seriously trying to seduce your way out of this thing? Of course not! Right? I'm not sure my partner... Security turns a picture of him and another man arm-in-arm arm by a lighthouse. Of 12 years would be thrilled. My husband and I might be willing to switch hip for one night. Only. Drop it. Sorry? Ma'am, we take damaged property very seriously. Okay, I know I showed you a little bit of my skin, but I don't appreciate labels. <laughs> I'm talking about the dinosaur. Copy? Exterior highway shoulder day. Roger is just screwing on the final nut to anchor the spare tire in the car. I am Roger Andrew Larson. Hear me roar. I can't believe it. He did it. Let's go. Roger, Winnie, and Grayson hop in the car. Interior car continuous. They start to drive. 20 minutes out. Plenty of time to get back to the conference. A beat. You see, kids, this is a lesson. Self-sufficiency is a foundation of success. Even life's smallest hurdles can be overcome with hard work. A loud if explosion you... emanates from underneath the car, and the kids scream like banshees. Interior museum day. Security leads violent. Charlie and Mason through the museum up to the damaged Velociraptor display. Here it is. The display looks absolutely pristine. Wait, where? Security points out the damage on the raptor's left clavicle. Just a nick. Violet starts to laugh. <laughs> is something funny? Knowing the true force of Mason's power, I expected something far worse. Violet reaches into her purse. May I ask what you're doing? She pulls out a container of butt paste. Butt paste. 
Last year, I reconstructed a damaged Victorian vanity with this stuff. Violet works on the damage as she says this. Ma'am, I'm sorry, but you can't expect to repair $7,000 worth of archaeological damage with diaper rash. He takes notice of the work. Mm -hmm. Holy smokes. Violet smiles with a hint of conceitedness. You know, there's a thing called an alternative use utility patent. You you should really think about maybe going... Her phone rings. Hello? Exterior highway shoulder day. Roger talks on the emergency roadside phone while AAA works on his car. My sweet. Intercut Museum Highway Continuous. What did you do? Vi, don't jump to conclusions. Roger, last time you called me your sweet, Grayson, Mason, and Charlie were being held in question for arson by their elementary school principal. (laughs) I'm supposed to be on stage in 20 minutes. You didn't find it, did you? How do you feel about public speaking? Violet lowers the phone to her side to process this. Violet? Violet? My sweet? Interior hotel conference room day. Scholarly professor types sit attentively in fold-up chairs staring at a podium. An announcer stands nervously. Oh, so, um, I guess Roger isn't here then? Violet storms in, kids in hand, out of breath. I'm so sorry, really. Roger is just around the corner. Uh, In the meantime, he wanted me to say a couple of words. Violet gets up to the podium, breathing hard. Poetry. Uh, It's the, it's the art of art. (laughs) Uh, It was Randall Frost who said... Look at these two roads in the woods. (laughs) Violet coughs nervously. Interior car day. Roger drives at a crazy pace down the highway as he tries to make the conference. Faster, Faster, Kids, what do we say if we get pulled over for speeding? If I don't make it to the children's hospital in five minutes, my smallpox flare-up might be fatal. Please don't let my sister die. (sighs) Proud of you, rascals. (laughs) Roger cuts it hard and pulls off at an exit. Interior conference room day. Violet is sweating bullets. Just a small town girl, um, living in a lonely world. Roger bursts into the auditorium, greasy and disheveled. Ladies and gentlemen, Roger Larson. As Violet passes Roger, she addresses him with intensity. Hello, my sweet. As Roger approaches the stage, the applause is light and unenthusiastic. The audience, all 19, is frustrated. (sighs) Sorry I'm late. Uh, Though I doubt that punctuality is common trait amongst today's best contemporary poets. Roger and only Roger laughs nerdily at this joke. Uh, in all honesty, I'm not prepared for this lecture. All of my notes are on my tablet, which can only be accessed through my cell phone, which is, well, only God knows. Roger pauses. But my family spent the entire day helping me look. My amazingly supportive wife bit the bullet and stalled until I got here. Roger sighs. Some people may say great writing can only emerge from a place of darkness. I couldn't agree less. My first AAP award arrived the same year my beautiful daughter Winnie was born. My family, they're everything to me. They're not just the wellspring of art, but the wellspring of my joy. And nothing in the world means more to me. Stand up, guys. Roger's family stands up, which makes RJ's absence immediately apparent. Violet is already looking around in a panic, and Roger starts counting his kids. Violet looks to Roger, wide-eyed, and gives him a nervous shrug. Well, that's about it, folks. You can uh, find me on LinkedIn. Roger grabs his wife's hand, and the whole group exits the room quickly. End of Act 2. Act 3, interior hotel lobby day. The kids are sitting on chairs as their parents... At their... (laughs) Sorry. The kids are all sitting on chairs, staring at their parents, who are both pacing. When's the last time you saw him? Uh, this morning? I thought he was with you. A group of the aforementioned furries walk past. RJ does love teddy bears. Roger and Violet shoot each other a very nervous look. Interior hotel conference room day. The Larsons enter another hotel conference room entirely decked out for the furry conference. Sketchy men and women in anthropomorphized animal costumes abound. They spot a blonde woman dressed as a cat near the front door. They sprint over. Our son is missing. 
What are you implying? He's staying here at this hotel and he loves cuddly animals. Is it possible he could have accidentally made his way into this- Ma'am, we have a very strict adults-only policy. Really? Folks. The cat puts her arms around Roger and Violet's shoulders. I've got a litter of my own. I get it. I wouldn't want them here either. She looks over to a group of panda bears whipping each other. Actually, come to think of it, I did notice an unaccompanied Tom at the pool playing on a phone. Violet's and Roger, Violet and Roger lock eyes in horror. Those parents should really evaluate their life choices, if you ask me. As she says this, another adult male feline bounds up next to her on all fours. Tabby, the litter box is prepared for the communal voiding. They bound away on all fours. We just got called out by two adult cats. This may be a new low. Even for us. Wait a minute, give me your phone. Roger grabs Violet's phone, dabbles a bit with the touchscreen, and looks up. Roger Jr. is next door. Exterior Chinese restaurant night. The Larsons approach a typical Chinese restaurant. I walked around the block and you obsessed over that tracking app. The only time it would have actually mattered and you forgot. Interior Chinese restaurant continuous. The Larsons burst in. Immediately, they spot RJ eating with a large family with two parents, two girls, and twin boys. A.K.A. This is the Asian Larsons sans RJ. Violet rounds over to RJ and hugs him. RJ! RJ has a moment of genuine confusion. Roger addresses the family who seem to have abducted his son. What the hell do you think you were doing? Kidnapping our child? The couple starts speaking in an unspecified Asian language. Monkey, what happened? Why didn't you come looking for us or talk to someone? RJ looks back at the Asian family and then back at his actual family. It's just now registering that he was ever apart from his actual family at all. RJ, did you think that this family was your family? RJ, Roger Jr. shrugs with a goofy smile on his face. Oh, God. Should we be concerned about this? Not tonight. Hey, kids, how about some ice cream? The kids all leap excitedly. Interior car day. The Larsons, all in one car, look dressed to travel as they sit in surprising quiet. Violet is holding Roger's award, a large cup-shaped trophy. We need to stop by Minute Clinic. Violet, we can't miss our flight. Roger, we won't fly if I vomit on the pilot. I've been sick for days. Honey, I know you don't feel well, but we'll be home sooner than you know. Trust me. I don't like to push, but as the man, I've got to make an executive decision. Violet vomits into Roger's trophy. She looks up with a death stare. Siri, doctor, stat. Interior minute clinic day. Violet and Roger wait in the waiting room, wait in the hospital room until the doctor enters. Good afternoon. How all are due respect, sir. Let me save us uh, all this time. The doctor looks a bit surprised. I need Tamiflu pronto. <clears throat> I can't prescribe a thing without at least checking you out. He puts a thermometer in her mouth. Listen, doc, I've played this game before. <laughs> you cuff my arms, blunt my ears. I get it. Rules are rules, but I assure you, it's the flu. The thermometer beeps, and he checks it. You don't have a fever. Like our kids are playing in your waiting room nursery, and my little girl already beheaded a Cabbage Patch kid, okay? The doctor isn't having it. Describe your other symptoms. Violet rolls her eyes. Nausea, vomiting, fatigue, flu. She stops. Do I smell Taco Bell? Oh, I'm starving. The doctor sighs. When was your last cycle? Violet glares. No. I'm sorry? I see what you're trying to do here. Listen, sir, we appreciate, but <clears throat> there's no possible way. The doctor takes out a stethoscope. Oh, the symptoms are classic. No, we can't. Pregnant. We're very careful. <laughs> Things happen. Violet and Roger look to each other, then launch into a fast-talking frenzy. Meanwhile, the doctor begins to sweep Violet's stomach with his stethoscope. We have five under ten. After Winnie, our first, was born, we tried for one more. We thought, let's shoot for a boy. We got two. And don't get me wrong, Grace and Mason are a blessing. But that was plenty for us. So I got on the pill a month later, pregnant. Charlie. <laughs> our little angel, but it was perfect bookend to our family. But really, that was more than enough. So I got snipped. And I stayed on the pill. And I started rapping. And I started plugging. It. Oh, and I got birth control implants. Certainly wasn't.
wasn't my dad's proudest day, watching his professional poet son get implants. And despite all of that, Roger Jr. Our little miracle. So we maintain our regimen, and now we're taking even more creative precautions. Have you heard of spermicidal shower gel? Because it is a thing. He's got Olympic swimmers, clearly, and it's a post-1972 Munich situation down there. <laughs> Increased security. Yeah, if she's pregnant, it's with someone else. And even with my options, and trust me, it's a long list. I don't have time for that. Exactly. Wait a minute. Let me stop you both. Okay? And you might want to grab a seat. Violet and Roger look at each other, nervous. Interior waiting room. Roger and Violet emerge from the hallway, white-faced and terrified. What Why is mommy okay? You okay? Is everything okay? Kids, mommy has the flu. Cut to black. Sting! Interior hotel conference room day. Violet at the podium, stalling for time until Roger shows up to give his address. Roses are red, violets are blue, and... You know, violets really aren't blue. I mean, they are, by definition, violets. Jump cut to... Uh, a poem is like <laughs> like a noodle. Uh, it starts out hard to understand, but when you really boil it down... Jump cut to... Violet looks around the room, noticing various decor around her. Walls. <laughs> ceilings. All of us have feelings. Carpet. Chairs. A bee? Yeah, I can't do this. Cut to black. End of episode. Yay! Well, guys, thank you so much for that. You guys especially nailed that uh, hospital scene. Is a lot of dialogue, so very good. Well, I'd kind of be curious to hear any thoughts you guys had about what we just read. I know it's mine, but feel free to (laughs) feel free to unload the criticism if you want. Are you from a big family? Yeah. I'm actually not from a no? big family. No, I come from a traditional like Midwestern family, but I only I'm the youngest of two older siblings. Okay. And I think growing up, I had like very RJ tendencies. Like I was just like happy to do my own thing. Um, but yeah, and I'd say I didn't really get ins- personal inspiration for this script at all. I know that usually you talk about why you picked scripts, mm-hmm. but I know that also as a writer, you have a ton of pilots. Is there a reason that this one you wanted to share with everybody? Because mm-hmm. I, I thought it was absolutely great. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. It was, it's the only pilot I've gotten that like, has technically gotten featured on the blacklist. Mm -hmm. So I figured if I was keeping credentials consistent, Mm -hmm. I'd want to bring this one on. Um, But we haven't really done a network comedy yet. Mm -hmm. um, So I thought it might be fun to kind of bring that into our slate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Quick question. Was, Rugrats any kind of like inspiration for this and if not what was kind of your inspiration if you haven't come from like a big family yeah I do love Rugrats I will say but not necessarily I'd say like um, like Modern, Modern Family, family. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah it's definitely I love that show I think it's as sharp as it's ever been um, but yeah I'd say like I'd like balancing like low humor and high humor so like there are some fart jokes in there but then there's also like that um, we take damage property very seriously yeah, joke yeah. and um, yeah, I'd say, like, definitely Modern Family. Eight is enough. I don't know if you guys have ever yeah, seen that show. Yes. Um, maybe, like, a Cheaper by the Dozen. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I wanted to write a pilot that featured little kids, mm-hmm. uh, because even though it has the conventional beats of a typical network pilot, there's nothing on the air that features, own, like, specifically 10 and under right now. Yeah. There's a lot of teenagers, but there's not a lot of little kids. So that was important for me to try to hopefully distinguish this pilot among the huge crop of other family pilots. What was the... Or, go ahead. I was just going to say, when you're talking about the little kids, mm-hmm. do you know a lot of kid actors? Do you Dreamcast, like, picking out? I mean, Modern Family used to be 10 and under, yeah. that kind of the vibe? or Yeah, I haven't necessarily... It's funny, when I write, I never cast. A lot mm. of writers do have actors in mind, but I very, very rarely work that way. I think I'm really, really bad at casting, so... Um, so I haven't necessarily thought of specific actors for these roles. Um, but yeah, like, I think even back to, like, A Full House... 
Um, the thing that was important for me with this script, though, is like I feel like a lot of network comedies kind of have this de facto agreement that um, little kids can only operate as punchlines or props. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to push back against that notion because I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews who are about this age, and they're hilarious. And they also have very specific personalities yeah. and opinions. And I feel like I haven't really seen that, where little kids... Um, push back against authority or like do more than just kind of operate as a punchline. So I thought it'd be fun to get these six kids. It's five right now, but it will eventually be six. And um, really have them push back against the notion that little kids can only be punchlines or props. Yeah, it kind of had that 90s feel when you think mm-hmm. about like, yeah. at least when I was a kid, family matters and that kind of stuff. Yeah. The adults had their own storyline, but the kids had their storylines as well. Definitely. Um, so was that kind of an inspiration as, as well, just going back to that? Yeah, childhood. I do love those throwback sitcoms. I kind of hope that this has a little more edge yeah, yeah, than yeah, those, sure. but but you're right. Like I do love those, and um, yeah, you're right. This doesn't really feature any specific A or B stories with the kids, but mm-hmm. I kind of moving forward would have each episode focus on one kid. Um, so that's kind of would be the plan for the season. Mm. So I know you have like a bible for this mm-hmm. this show. Um, structurally, this episode is like perfect. Oh, it like moves along really well. It's like right at. 30 minutes it feels like and so like as a writer how did you pick exactly what you were going to make your pilot into and how did you get this so clean like how many revisions where did this start at you know it's funny normally I go through tons and tons of drafts on pilots but this one did come to me pretty quickly Mm -hmm. Um, but I am like pretty notorious about structure so like I wanted to introduce RJ's absence in the first act and make sure we return to that in the third Mm -hmm. act I do think after having read it I could probably up the um conflict stakes earlier. I think mm-hmm. there's some ambling before we get to like what the pilot's really about, but it's tough, especially in a comedy pilot, because you have to introduce your characters, mm-hmm. try to make them funny, and introduce a conflict in like the first eight pages. Yeah. Um, but I'd say like typically I do a ton of drafts, but this is probably only like my fifth or sixth draft on this pilot specifically. And it looks pretty similar to my first draft, which is very rare for me okay. on pilots. When yeah. something network, how do you know what's too much? Like how do you know mm-hmm. that furries right. works for family? Right. It's, to me it does totally, but I'm just wondering. I think it could be close. Um, I think... Shows like Arrested Development and Modern, even Modern Family, have pushed what's allowed to be considered a conventional family sitcom on network. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting too is like a show like The Middle is much more tame than a show like Arrested Development, even though they're both family comedies. So um, I I think most of this works. Like the son of a bitch stuff at the beginning might be pushing it. Um, right. But there is there's a joke in Modern Family where I think Alex calls Luke a bitch. So like I kind of use that as a precedent to hopefully think that would pass by like potential censors mm-hmm. on network. But I think it depends on what hour it yeah. 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 yeah it is funny if you look at the eight o'clock sitcoms versus the nine o'clock sitcoms they're usually very uh, different yeah. Apart, yeah which uh, is interesting and also if you think about what, what network like this feels like an abc network yeah. uh show to me versus mm-hmm. something like a cbs or nbc because mm-hmm. they just have different styles whereas abc you can be they're more wholesome but they also layer their jokes so that they can hit for kids and kids can understand a joke and then they also have a adult jokes that right. kids kind of just don't get but they don't really you know it doesn't phase them yeah I, i'm glad you saw that because i actually kind of wrote this specifically for abc mm-hmm. so <laughs> they have a ton of great family comedies mm-hmm. on right now yeah. which is i love that so i actually uh sorry Andrew, no, i actually agree with a lot of what you said that this script moves really smoothly have you ever thought of maybe because i saw it living on a stage as well maybe mm. like a short play about it and having like the adults like 
play kids. Like, I just thought it oh, could go fun. in so many, like, different ways. Mm. Um, and I know that you said you wrote it specifically for TV, but I could totally see it living on, on stage as well. Cool. Thanks. That's nice of you to say. Yeah. I have very, very little playwriting experience. Um, so I never really think, if I'm going to write a narrative, I usually always jump to the screen. I started writing features, um, so I'm just used to trying to write in a more screen-oriented way. But, yeah, I don't know. Have you seen the musical 13 before? Yes. That's kind of, now that you say that, I think it'd be funny. You could totally do, yeah. You could totally do this on stage. Maybe we stage it, guys. It'd be kind of fun. <laughs> that would be hysterical, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was fun to have adults reading to kids. I thought you guys all did a really good job. Yeah, so cool. I had never considered that before, but who knows? Yeah, yeah, there's like a Spanish sitcom. I forgot the name of it, but it, I used to watch it when I was in Puerto Rico, and there were like adults who it was. I know it was on TV. It was like a uh, adult. Spanish actors who would play these little kids and would have like the little like rainbow hat with the little spinny thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The girl with like the freckles. You, remember, you yeah, I know about? this I somehow. Just don't <laughs> it's no, not no. racist, but it's exactly recess, like that. Yeah. I just don't remember the name of it. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned on stage because I was thinking about if this because you guys did such an amazing job with the voices, but obviously on, in a TV show you couldn't play these people. I was thinking if this was the animation, it'd yeah. be cool because you could have like adults messing with the. Kids voices. Yeah. That's yeah. Like baby kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I love baby kids. So do I. Yeah, I never considered it to be animated, but that's actually a fun idea. That's and a really cool idea. There are a lot of great animated family comedies now, like Bob's mm-hmm. Burgers mm-hmm. and Family Guy. Yeah. And um, I think usually those tend towards something a little weirder, but I love writing weird too. This, this is probably the most conventional. There's some weird there's stuff. There's some weird though. stuff in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the furries as animation, yeah. like yeah. Totally, hilarious. the whips and stuff, yeah. you could totally go all out. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they roofied their kids. Like right. what? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I like it live action too. I was just thinking. Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's fun. I it's fun for me to potentially envision the narrative in different formats because I haven't really done that yet. So yeah. one thing I noticed about your comedy in this is a lot of it is straight man, crazy man. Mm-hmm. And it's people switching their those positions. Like Violet in the beginning is kind of wild and, and Roger's more straight yeah. and when she's dealing with a security guard she's wild and, you know like there's this so with your comedy is that like a thing that you've noticed you enjoy writing because hmm. it seems like with your comedy all the funniest parts are when we I mean we, we all as adults know there's moments when you're drawn to be like I'm gonna act like a kid right now yeah. like I have to you know that's a fun observation I usually I think with comedy it's usually story first for me mm-hmm. um, so I'm usually thinking situationally um, and then I had a really good piece of advice from a writing teacher once who said that um, humiliation is the most effective way to generate any kind of emotion. So in comedy, (laughs) humiliation works, but also like in drama, humiliation Mm -hmm. works too. And if you think back to all of your favorite scenes in any movie, I bet there's some kind of humiliation that's being exploited. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think I often think in terms of like... And humiliation is a strong word, but just like general embarrassment because yeah. it pushes characters out of their comfort zone. So yeah. like Violet at the podium, Violet being corrected by the security guard, Roger with the guy on the plane. Um, and I, kids in general can create a very easy way for parents to not necessarily be right. embarrassed, but just it's funny to watch a professional poet and a um, like a retail C- CMO, a fashion retail CMO, have to kind of quote-unquote lower themselves to handle these like all kids under 10 so i think that's typically when i'm trying to mind comedy it's usually from embarrassment Mm. is i think how i write who was your uh favorite character to write and who was your most difficult character to write it's funny i didn't get a lot of chance to write the kids much um which i've done more in other episodes i really have fun with winnie because she's like very precocious Mm -hmm. like i have an episode where um she thinks she's going to space camp um, but, like, she finds out she's actually, it's, like, an all-male space camp, and, like, she creates this, like, um, campaign and push to, like, 
get more women there and she has this like funny feminist agenda um she's like very precocious for her age and she's like often smarter than her parents which i think is really fun in terms of this pilot i did have a lot of fun writing violet um i kind of like that she's tough and she's kind of the alpha between Mm -hmm. roger and um and i i have a lot of stuff like especially she has a lot of quirks as a pregnant woman that have been like a lot of fun to kind of speculate throughout the season because her pregnancy is like one of the big plots that season Mm. one explores so Violet, I can see really clearly as like Tony Collette or mm, some like I I, love Tony to me. Collette. It really seemed like, yeah. which maybe is because of I Little, don't know, Miss Little Miss Sunshine, yeah. probably. That's but great. like, I, I just ever, all the whole time, I was like, yeah, it's it's so she's really clear. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I love Little Miss Sunshine. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. So, so uh, other than the thing that you mentioned earlier with picking up the uh, mm-hmm. the stakes a little sooner, is there anything else that you would change or that you noticed or anything like that? I think in general, I can tend towards overly wordy dialogue, uh, which isn't bad. Like, I think reviewers have liked that, mm-hmm. um, but there's been a couple times where I've thought, like, I could trim that, especially mm-hmm. hearing it out loud. I think my characters are very talky, and they don't always need to be as talky as they are. But, like, Roger is a poet, so, like... <laughs> I don't know. But that's probably something I might trim the dialogue That's also something that, you know, you could still have it shot, and then if they decide, okay, well, maybe we can cut that bit. You're right. Yeah. 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 It can be edited easily. Better to have more than less. For For sure. True. And I also love, uh, especially what Adrian did, like, you have all these sub-characters that, Mm -hmm. if you're reading a script like this, you're like, oh, this is just, like, an insignificant character, but when you put something, like, how are you feeling, that line that you did three times in the museum? Yeah. 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 It's like, you take this character, and you could totally build this character up to be something that's different in other episodes mm-hmm. um, just because you were snarky and, and sarcastic mm-hmm. and I would totally love to see that character come back you know what I mean yeah, yeah I, I always think like for actors like if you were going out for a co-star even how could I maybe make this kind of fun right. like if yeah. you're I know it's hard I've got yeah. a lot of friends who are actors who like they go to an audition and they have to say like like what do you want in your drink yeah. or like mm-hmm. what's going on and it's like how do you audition that right <laughs> that was really good with the repeating three times yeah. and then the mm-hmm. cat one and the male one yeah, like, yeah. comes up I think that that was fun that, yeah. I hope so I always think like if I want to like service my actor or something like if you're going out for a co-star maybe it could be something kind of fun yeah. I, and it's like with comedy you have so little time to tell jokes that you just don't want to waste it so your yeah. goal is to try to make every single line something playable, something mm-hmm. directable, and something funny. I and think. she didn't like take away from the scene at all by playing it that way. You know, it's like we've all encountered that person. Yeah, and my goal to there, person too, absolutely. And kind of this goes to the straight man crazy thing a little bit, but you can write a co-star to be funny, but still play up her like deadpan gave you stuff to work with, like yeah. it heightened yeah. Violet's neuroses, which mm-hmm. I really liked. So I think you're. It's possible to write a co-star. But still let them push to elevate the lead, I think. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's always nice to have writers who write for actors mm-hmm. rather yeah. than just writing to write. And then the actors have to, have like, to figure it out. Yeah. Get yeah. jammed yeah. in there. Yeah. So good job on, on that. Well, yeah. I hope so. It's I, I think retrospectively I could make the dialogue a little more sayable. Like, I, there's a couple lines where I'm like, oh, that's not the most fun to say as an actor. It's kind of like Austin <laughs> talked about that with Sawyer yeah. on our second oh, episode yeah. is... Hearing actors say dialogue makes you notice, like, oh, I could trim that line yeah. or, like, potentially reposition the joke. But I feel like that's the hardest thing for a writer because even when I do my own personal writing, I'm mm-hmm. like, but can they say this? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I right. can think it easily, but can it be actually be spoken by someone? So, right. yeah. So um, what's, your, uh, what's your dream genre to write? You know, I had a lot of fun writing this. Yeah, um, I can see. I think <laughs> it's funny. Like, the stuff that I've written has kind of... I love comedy. Like, mm. I've never written anything with no comedy in it. 
Um, the feature that I first wrote that kind of got me some attention on the blacklist is um, like a coming of age kind of more like dramedy. I kind of think of um, like tonally the stuff that Judd Apatow is producing, but on TV. Okay. So like love or girls, like that stuff where mm-hmm. it's like funny, but then there are like scenes that like really aren't funny. Um, this was my first time, I think, writing a straight network comedy. So, um, like, I optioned a pilot when I first moved out here that was um, probably more, like, a edgier kind of, like, FX kind of cable comedy about these, um, like, reality TV actors who are, like, struggling to find work after. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I think network can be really fun to write because you're actually challenged by the lack of access to cursing and sex. Mm-hmm. And that can kind of, I think, push you to, like write weird stuff like the Velociraptor and the Furries. Like, right. I don't know if I would have written that if I was al- had access to, like, sexier material. That's what so. John Crawford said. Mm-hmm. We, I don't know if that episode aired, but we did an episode with him where... Oh, the, uh, yeah. yeah, and he uh-huh. said that it's nice when you have to play towards kids, too. You mm-hmm. have to still be funny. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's a whole different box. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, another question, maybe a, a little too personal. No, it's okay. Uh, do you want to have kids? Oh, yeah. I definitely yeah. do. I think, like... I grew up in a pretty conventional family, and, like, I think I'm much less conventional than my parents, um, but, like, yeah, I think I would love to have, like, a nuclear family. Yeah. It's kind of, like, that's that's just me, though. Like, I, yeah. I don't ascribe any value to people who want to have families or not, but I just loved growing up in a family, mm-hmm. and I'm still very close to my siblings. So, yeah, I, family comedy, even movies, typically are my favorites. Like, if I look at my favorite American... Uh, movies. I'd probably say like American Beauty, which isn't a comedy, but it's about a family. I'd say like Little Miss Sunshine is another one. Juno's a movie I love, and they all have funny parental yeah. and kid dynamics. Mm-hmm. So I really like writing family. Yeah, to me, I, I like probably, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, probably more than I like my own actual family. I really always <laughs> like, like um, in Harry Potter, the like Weasleys are this yeah. huge yeah. family. Yeah. And like even this, I'm like, I see them all and it's fun and I get yeah. to live. I probably like it better because then you get to like leave them behind yeah. <laughs> because you don't actually have to live with them. But yeah. I really enjoy it as a like, oh, it's the world. You understand it immediately and you want to like go visit this yeah. fun group. Yeah. Well, that's good. I have a lot like planned for them throughout the season. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Well, cool. I don't know if you guys have anything else. I really, really appreciate this discussion. Um, I was kind of wondering, I guess some of these questions got... Um, answered, but like, do you feel like the characters were ringing clearly in this read? Yeah, I definitely do. I was just gonna say because we were all just talking about it. Like, I come from a pretty large family, mm-hmm. and um, you got the, you got all the personalities that are in a family. There are all these people in there. There's the wild ones. There's the smart, like you know, they've got their head on their shoulders mm-hmm. and they're just dealing with their family. And then, yeah, the the, the dynamic of this family feels very authentic. Good. So I think what I would have liked to have seen more of yeah. would be the Mason and the Grayson kind yeah. of fits mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I felt like they were separated most of the script. Yeah. Um, and I would just like to see their dynamic together because I'm sure they're just... <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that, but I think that this was enough for a pilot, but it intrigued me to see Good. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. for future episodes. I'm sure you have twin episodes. Oh, so. sure. oh yeah. Like, I have planned that, like, they have an alter ego at school named Jason, and, like, they, <laughs> they actually only exist as one person in school, so they trade off going to classes, oh, wow. so they usually go to... And, like, I have one where they're, like, pawning off their Ritalin for Pokemon cards, and they have, like, a drug ring. Like, they're, wow. they're, they're fun. I mean, like, I do have them separated from most of this pilot, which, along those lines, do you guys feel like you got enough of the kids in this pilot? I realize... Especially reading this out loud, it's a very Roger Violet-centric episode. Yeah, it is. Is that something you guys would want to see more in the pilot, do you think? 
I mean, I think you're establishing the, the parents and the kid relationship, and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that starting off with the parents and their mindsets is is an integral part of where you're going from this the pilot. Yeah. Um, but I just love seeing the kids. Like, I want right. to see Mason and Grayson together. I think I just I'm just hungry for it because the kids are hilarious. Like Winnie's hilarious. Like yeah. Charlie's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see yeah. enough of RG. I'm just hungry for more of it because they're just such great written characters. Oh my god, with the Asian family. That's yeah. you know, like, so good. It's like amazing. I could literally just picture him being like, really fun. I think he, in a way, he doesn't speak much because he's so little, but he's also fun to write just because like situationally, like he's just happy no matter what. Like, yeah. And that's something I would definitely want to explore. Like the bit of him coming in with his clothes wrong would like recur throughout the entire season, I think. And mm-hmm. he just like doesn't care at all. He just like totally does his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the, uh, the last question I have is, like, one of the... Critics typically say they like it and it's funny, like, in my reviews, but one kind of recurring note I've gotten is that it doesn't distinguish itself from other family comedies. Like, it could use something more to amp itself up as a sell. Did they say that with the furries bit of it? <laughs> yeah, I think the problem is they're saying, like, family comedies will only sell if it's, like there's like a gay kid or like um if, like there's kind of with each family comedy there's like a hook now mm-hmm. did you did you guys feel i'm interested to hear your take on that notion with this pilot specifically i mean i can definitely understand where they're coming from with yeah. that i i get that it right. is true it's not like very different than other comedies out there but what is different is these kids that you have as characters and all the ideas that are in your bible with these kids right. like if mm-hmm. you were essentially to throw in the feminism thing somehow in the mm-hmm. pilot like if you were because if or the pokemon drug smuggling thing like if you have these small little gems in there i think that's what separates it because these kids are so interesting mm-hmm. or you know? maybe if, it, if it's a mixed family yeah or they adopted a kid i know yeah. they don't have problems producing but may, uh, reproducing but maybe they their first kid they adopted and huh. then they started or all something, of a sudden something just went, that, yeah. um could make this like a little less just a, a white person show um, or yeah. maybe it's not i don't know mm-hmm. it could be okay. and i also think that's something that will come with um you know time if if, if you make those discoveries because i think now we're so used to having those things immediately but there used to be a time where like even with united states of Terra, like mm, I love that you show. kind of know oh. that the son is gay but they mm-hmm. never really talk about right. it and they right. and you they allow it to develop as they allow him to develop even with things like ugly betty like with her um nephew coming out as gay that was something that they allowed to develop and mm. it was just a story about these people so yeah i, I don't guess, know yeah. i guess i in terms of what andrew said i can agree with why you got that criticism mm-hmm. um and i can understand that you know you've made other shows and written other shows and they mostly focus on the kids but we have to keep in mind that when you're pitching a pilot it's like this is the pilot this is what they're going to see first right mm-hmm. and i feel like if it's called we've got kids then it should maybe showcase the kids a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um and the kids are so fascinating that like like i said i was reading this and i was like i really want to see more of these kids because they're crazy yeah. Good. yeah okay cool that's a good note yeah i think my goal to make it stand out was like I haven't seen a show with specifically only little kids mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of like couples in their 30s who like they aren't dealing with the kid coming out or like going to college or being mm-hmm. bullied at school but like they are dealing with like how much Ritalin do we prescribe this crazy mm-hmm. one or like mm-hmm. what do we do when like all three of our kids under five are just throwing up all night and like mm-hmm. that's kind of those are the stories I want to explore with this show that I feel like I haven't seen but I want that to like ring in the pilot so it feels different like just the chaos of specific Specifically, little kids. I definitely got that. Did you? Yeah, for sure. Sure. Okay. Sure. And that and that feeling at the end when they're having the conversation back and forth, and it's like, 
okay, you have to be grateful for every child that you have, but like, <laughs> god damn. <you> don't <laughs> Give us a break. Yeah. 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 I really felt that. Okay. Good. Yeah, my mom's one of ten. Wow! So my dad's one of eight. So my dad's one of twelve. Wow! Yeah. All, it's all very different. You know, when you're when you have seven siblings or six siblings, you're dealing with so many different dynamics, and and it does become like you. My dad is like the serious one. And my mom's a serious one, and they met and they married each other. And I'm a serious one. Yeah. So um, so you get to see like yeah all those dynamics, and it, it's fun to see that even. As a child of that, you see, like, oh, okay, well, Aunt Eleanor is the crazy one and that kind of stuff. Sorry, Aunt Eleanor, you're not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor is so mad right now. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, I had a question yeah. for you. Do yeah. you see, because you're focusing so much on the younger version of these kids, which mm-hmm. we haven't seen, do you, because it, it kind of gives the show a finite lifespan, right. in that I think we talk about Modern Family, that show kind of changed uh-huh. as they all got older and it kind of. It's a different show now. I know. And I think the strength of this is because of that. You go, you know what, guys? This is this. We're only doing five seasons, five seasons. And when the kids – we're not going to try and deal with the kids getting older unless the audience is attached to them. And we will go with it. But this is what you want to focus on. Have you thought about that? Like – a little bit. I think it's a it's incredible. It's very fascinating. You You can also do the – oh, my gosh. The – what's it? How I Met Your Mother hook. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do it something where it's even, but I feel like that's kind of overdone, but of we kind of get an idea of like who the kids are. Even if it's briefly, we see them as adults. And yeah. this is kind of them reflecting back on who they were. Their story. I've thought yeah. about writing one where the kids are all in their 40s. Just one mm-hmm. standalone mm-hmm. episode and they're taking care of their parents. Because it's cool. so funny when adults all of a sudden become kids, caretakers to their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it'd be really funny to see Roger and Violet old too. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that would work. But to answer your question, Mike, I have thought about that. Um, Winnie's nine, so that's the oldest we have right, right now, which gives us about five years until she starts to develop like a teenage personality. Yeah. Um, and the nice thing is, with Violet pregnant, she'll have a one-year-old at the end. The season one finale is her birth, so like that's mm-hmm. like basically the end of the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes and no. Um, like I think there's enough kids that would still be under ten that they would be the focus, and I think Winnie f- for me is kind of um, would be sort of maybe the breakout kid. So it could be fun for her to as a teen look at the little kids. But yeah, I mean like the show's not about coming out and like right. struggling through adolescence, and that's to me what all family comedies have become, which is great. Like I love that, but the middle, the real O'Neills, fresh off the boat, Modern Family, all those are about the struggles of raising teens, and like that's not what this is about. Yeah. So I, yeah, the hope would be that the show could run, I don't know, six or seven seasons and still focus on gotcha. the chaos of raising little kids. Yeah. Well, you could also do um, if you didn't, if you were in thinking of that indefinite like time period, you could also do an anthology with this where you yeah. where you run this first season and then the next season it's like, like you said family. earlier, it's like yeah, there's so many different. Mm-hmm. kids and with the different personalities that you could do a whole different family with different kids and different problems. The Asian Larsons. Yeah. 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 Like, there's so many things that you could do with this. Yeah. That's a really interesting note as well. I'd never considered that, but I, I don't hate that. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, that, the anthology, that's kind of, because it's big now. Right, yeah. it's so bad. And that's not something that's been done is with the family anthology You're right. that I think about. I think the only anthologized network series right now is American Crime on ABC. American Dude, Horror American Story. American Horror Story. Uh, oh, yeah. Just in terms of like straight network, though. Oh, yeah, yeah oh, no, network, it's not. It's all these. Yeah. I, I just heard Feud is now going to be an yeah. anthology. 
Yeah, so it's, it's going like, to be Diana those are all, and Charles next. Those are all the, you know, cable, but right. for network, there's nothing. Especially so, comedy. I haven't seen an anthologized comedy in a while. Yeah. Everyone, never, no one wants to be first. Everyone wants to be second. Huh. So it's well, kind of like... But I, I do think that it's an interesting note, but with comedy, the only thing you have to hold on to is the characters. Yeah, that yeah exactly. Like, that's why you watch. So if you can convince everybody to love your characters in season one of a sitcom, yeah. then like... Ah, I don't know if you're like, let's risk this a second time. Hopefully they yeah. like these kids again, especially child actors that yeah. people are so mean about. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. So hard on kid actors. The, the way that you could pull that off is to set it in a neighborhood. So if it's something where it's like, oh, yeah. you're, you're mainly focusing on this family season one, but you still have season two characters wow. in the background. And that kind of gives you an idea hmm. if people are, 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 That's cool. are attracted to the characters. Yeah. And then for season two, the focus shifts, but the season one characters are still there because then the actors are still working. But it just, I mean, that would probably, you that would be expensive in terms of all those actors. But like that's something that you could do if you wanted to anthologize it, where there's a kind of, they're there in the background and then the focus will change. Yeah. It's never been done before, I don't think. That's, that's a, a really interesting idea, like an anthologized series based on a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, guys, I can't thank you enough. Thank yeah. you so much for reading today. This was really fun for me. Um, I guess that's the end of the show if you guys don't have anything else. Um, guys, thanks so much for joining us today here on the Unproduced Table Read. Um, today we read my script, We've Got Kids. If anyone's interested yeah. in seeing more, <laughs> you can reach me at Jeffrey C. Graham on Twitter. Um, and with that, I'd love for you guys to see us out. All right. Hi, I'm Adrian Snow. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrian Snow. And you can also hear me talk for The Magician Season 2 on Wednesdays. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Andrew Guy. You can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter. And you can find me here every Wednesday at 1230 Pacific for Action Movie Anatomy. Hey, guys. Roxy Stryer. You can find me everywhere at Roxy Stryer. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm Mike Kalanowski. You can find me at Mike Kalanowski. I'm right here on the Popcorn Talk Network for DC Movie News, as well as After Buzz talking about Taken and MacGyver. Hey, I'm Haley O'Connor on Twitter at Haley O'Connor. That's Haley with two Y's. If you don't use two Y's, you're not too wise. Uh, I am here on the Popcorn Talk Network every Sunday afternoon for Sci-Fi Weekly. What's up, guys? I'm Timothy Michael. Thanks for tuning in. You can reach me on all social media platforms at I am Timothy Mike. You can find me over at AfterBuzz on Thursday nights talking about Grey's Anatomy. Uh, well, thank you so much, guys. We'll see you. We're dark next week, but we'll see you in two weeks. And before we close, really quickly, I do have to say... As always, these scripts were printed to us for free by ARA Printing uh, on Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank. We have a promo code that's TableRead. If you come into that uh, store, TableRead will get you 10% off of your script. And I'll say, because I took them up on it. I went in there just as a customer. Mm-hmm. I think it was about 200 pages worth of script to print up. Uh, didn't tell them I was part of the show. Just used the TableRead and... It was ridiculous how cheap it was. Right. Ridiculous. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm coming back. It was like, it was like six bucks. Right. It's printed with two like holes and yeah. yeah. It was we fantastic. They're really guys, them. really nice too. Yeah, they're unbelievably nice and unreasonably inexpensive. Yes. So um, check it out. ARA Printing on Magnolia and Burbank. And uh, that's the show. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye, Bye guys. Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.